Hi, thanks for turning on this podcast. The sermon you're about to hear was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Meadow Vista, California. We are part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America and a Reconciling in Christ congregation. To find out more about our community of faith, visit faithmv.net. You can also watch our entire worship service every Sunday on our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. Today's scripture is from the Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, Lord. It was then that Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan River by John. Immediately upon coming out of the water, Jesus saw the heavens opening and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Then a voice came from the heavens, You are my beloved, my own. On you my favor rests. Immediately the Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness, and he remained there for forty days and was tempted by Satan. He was with the wild beasts, and the angels looked after him. After John's arrest, Jesus appeared in Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The reign of God is at hand. Change your hearts and minds and believe this good news. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Well, it may be the shortest sermon ever. This is the time of fulfillment. The reign of God is at hand. Change your hearts and your minds and believe in the good news. In other words, it's time. God's here. Repent and believe. Now, Jesus gave a short version. I'm going to give you the long version. But it probably isn't just the shortest sermon. It's perhaps the most timeless sermon. Even now the words of Jesus ring true. It's time. God is here. Repent and believe. As we begin our Lenten journey, this is our reminder of our calling and our hope. It's time. We'll start with that one. How often do we say things like, well, when I get around to it, if I only had time, later. Well, my friends, it is later. (laughs) That is really the message of Ash Wednesday. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. It's not supposed to be a scientific explanation of our bodies. And it's not just a catchy phrase to freak people out about their own mortality and the truth that they will one day die, although that is a side effect. (laughs) But really, it is a reminder that we are limited creatures. Physical death will come to us. And continually putting off things that are important does not serve us well. So it's time. It's time to focus on what is important. It's time to let go of those things that are not. It's time to pay attention to our relationship to God. And it's time to devote ourselves to the kingdom of God 
and our calling within it. It's time, and God is here. Our efforts at relationship with God are not in vain. God has shown up. Jesus among us makes this most beautifully and most clear. This assurance that God is with us. God does not ask us to make this journey by ourselves. We have help in deciding what to let go of and what to hang on to. We have the Holy Spirit that drives us, just as it drove Jesus into the wilderness. It drives us towards what we need to be embracing and living into. The Holy Spirit nudges us sometimes. Sometimes it's not so much a driving force as a nudge or a whisper. But that is God showing us our place in the kingdom. <coughs> our role, our job, our ministry to share the love of God and the hope of Christ with everyone we meet. The season of Lent lasts for 40 days. This is no accident. In scripture, the number 40 has a pretty special place. We can go all the way back to Genesis, the story of the flood. They were on the ark because it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. God's people fled slavery and wandered in the wilderness towards the promised land for 40 years. During that time, Moses spent 40 days and nights on the mountaintop in communion with God. Jesus spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness preparing for his public ministry. 40 tends to be a time of challenge and preparation and formation. In the wilderness, God was forming a people. In the wilderness, Jesus was being formed for ministry. In the flood, God was working to build more of a community and relationship between him and creation. On the mountaintop, scripture tells us that God was present in the cloud that covered the peak. And there was time for relationship building and growing in God's word and promises. And in all these times, God was present. In the angels that attended to Jesus, in the cloud, on the mountaintop, in the desert wanderings, it says God went before them as a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And these 40 days of Lent, while truly a human invention, I mean, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about Lent, let's be honest, but even though it's a human invention, it is rooted in the belief that it is important to set aside special time to grow in relationship to God and to one another. To look inward at ourselves and see what we need to work on. For Lutherans, this is particularly important because we spend most of the year talking about looking outward, getting out of ourselves and looking at our neighbor and taking care of the world. And yes, that is part of our discipleship. But in Lent, we take 
time out to renew our inward being, to think about what our heart looks like, feels like, what's weighing on it, what needs to be worked on. We need to remember that through it all, God is here with us, guiding us, inspiring us, and sending us the help that we need. So, it's time. God is here. Remember the third one? Repent. Repent. Turn away from your sin. It's time, and God is here to help you. So let's review what sin actually is. We could go the legalistic route and start naming individual sins. Sometimes that's helpful. Most times it's not. Particularly because we can't actually name them all. Let's be honest about ourselves. So here is what I think of when I think of sin. Sin is anything that I say or do or think that separates me from God. That means it could be things that we can name, like breaking the Ten Commandments, stealing, hurting others, dishonoring people. But it could be more insidious and subtle, like spending too much time at work and avoiding the relationships that I need to be a part of. It could be idolizing food, making food my God instead of God my God. Avoiding things that are in need of attention, laziness, and I'm not talking about rest, you know the difference. We need rest, we're commanded to rest, that's actually one of the Ten Commandments. Ah. Rest. But then there's laziness. And we know the difference. Anything that keeps us from a deep relationship with God, which includes loving relationships with our friends and neighbors, which actually includes then everyone. So when we say repent, we're just not talking about... That simple confession we do at the beginning. We had, it wasn't really a simple confession this morning. It was fairly extreme. But it's needed. Confession is actually important to name our faults. Our own most grievous faults. But repentance is a change of life. A change of being in the world. It's developing good habits and making decisions that hold space for God, that allow relationships that are healthy and loving to grow, to care for ourselves, our minds and our bodies and our spirits is so amazingly created by the one who loves us the most. So turn your back on all that would draw you away from God. Say no to that which does not bring life. Quit getting involved with people and habits who tempt you beyond your limits. 
You know, I've been thinking about the effort that I and others have made over the last probably, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 years. I've been part of it, trying to pretty up Lent. We try to offer options to people that seem a little gentler and nicer. We don't want to do the hard work of actually turning away from our sin. So, I've said this in the past, instead of giving something up, add something to your life that's helpful. Add a spiritual practice. Read a a deep, meaningful book. Um, Take on a different way of serving your neighbor. Others have suggested giving things up that are things like hatred and um, disregard for others, selfishness, worries. And, And I'm saying, those are all good things. We should do that. But I am now convinced that we are being called to something more difficult. It became very clear to me this week. I believe that we are called to look inward at ourselves and really ponder what is holding sway over our lives and truly repent from that. Truly turn away. And it's not easy. But God is here, and God will help us. God is just waiting for us to start paying attention. It's time. God is here. Repent, and then believe. It occurs to me that this is an interesting order, right? It's time God is here. Why is it believe and then repent? Why is it repent and then believe? Perhaps it's because belief comes out of what we do. I'm just thinking out loud here for a minute because it just occurred to me. It's okay if we're still working on belief. The work of repenting will help guide us towards belief. You can do it in either order, really. But don't get hung up on belief. I'm not sure this really works. Just do it. And then see what happens. Believe that the 40 days of challenge and formation are for the sake of preparation so that we might fully enjoy what God wants for us in this life and the next. Believe that our times of trial and testing do not need to break us, but can be an opportunity for growth. To figure out what we are made of and what we are made for. Believe that in our weakness, God's strength is made known. Believe that the story of God is the story of love beyond our imagination. It is God's love that surrounds us, holds us together, fills us up with hope. Believe that you are made of dust, the dust of the universe and the breath of God. Believe that the same spirit that drove Jesus into the wilderness is the same spirit that drives us to repent and to rejoice and believe. Believe that even though our time on this earth is short, And our journey may be difficult. At the end of it is resurrection and new life.
It's time. God is here. Repent and believe. Amen. During this season, our times of reflection will be accompanied by the poetry of Mary Oliver. Some of you have taken the devotional booklet home and are using it. Um, there's more copies at both doors. If you missed that and would like to do that, it's okay if you join in the middle. Today's poem is entitled Wild Geese, and it's another way to think about the road to repentance. Rather than being motivated by guilt, Oliver suggests that we might be motivated by love and gratitude for life. As you listen to the words, consider three things that you love or are grateful for. And you should have a car that's got a goose on it. And if you don't, raise your hand and one of the ushers will get them to you. We need one at the piano. And then for each family unit, there's a set of crayons. If you don't like crayons, feel free to use whatever you want. And on that card, you're invited to write those three things that you are grateful for or that you love. During our time of communion, you're welcome to bring them up and put them in the basket. We'll be having a, um, a tree here by the altar starting next week, and those will all be hung on that as part of our Lenten experience. So now I invite you to hear the words of Mary Alice. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles to the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. <laughs> 